And you said you went into a 45 unit? Uh, 45 unit, yeah. This was the first, first deal that we did on our apartments. Did you, so you did that with partners? Uh, yes. I, my wife and I, two of us are the GP and uh, we have another four passive investors. Okay. So you guys did the 13 houses and then you were able to put people together to do the... Yeah. Four, yes, like yes. And apart. the trick to that is, I, I don't know whether you are going there or not. How did you go to multifamily, right? Yeah, yeah. Like buying house. How did you put people together? Because that's a big leap for a lot of people that, exactly. that exactly. haven't done it. There's a, there's a big leap between, okay, we've put enough money together to put 20% down on these houses and we're rolling them and the banks are being real nice. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, we're going to go to 45 units and we've got partners. Like there's a big quantum leap there. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a guest today named James Candasami that has owns and manages over 1,700 apartment units in Texas with over $130 million in assets. James also wrote an international best-selling book called Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate, Insider Secrets to Achieving Financial Independence, and he was ranked as a top 15 real estate investment book by Jim Cramer's The Street. James's podcast, Achieve Wealth Through Value Add Real Estate Investing Podcast, which was recognized as a top 24 real estate investing podcast for 2019, ranked by Radio Public. He is going to come in here and we're going to talk about his family and how he's built what he's built and, uh, and really trying to pick his brain about some real estate investing from a very high level achiever. And so what, for that, welcome to the show, James. Hey, Cody. Happy to be here. I'm uh, just getting ready to uh, give all your audiences whatever value that I can give. You know, I think that that's one thing that I find with high achieving people is they, it, they have an innate uh, uh, necessity inside of us to give back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I can, I can relate to uh, what, what you're saying, the innate necessity because high achievers realize, I mean, this is just my thought, right? High achievers realize that you can give all the secrets in the world, but not everyone's going to be doing it because to do that, you only need one thing and not many people want to do that, right? which is hard work. <laughs> right and and a burning desire to succeed and and everybody thinks that they want to be successful but to what level they do they do they have that burning desire and just not many people have that That's yeah it's um it's the old age thing like uh you know this acknowledges power but it's not really it's taking action right and taking so, action and taking it massive massive action you know there are i guess what you'd quote unquote call secrets but mm -hmm. there really aren't that many in real estate or not in real estate, but just in investing in personal finance altogether. Like there was a book, you know, the, uh, the richest man in Babylon. And it's like the same principles work today. Like you said, yeah. it's really just taking that inside of you and pushing it. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I know that book. Uh, I tried to read it, but I, I don't know. I cannot finish like a few pages. But I, I, I've heard about that book content, and um, it seems to be very, very basic, uh, fundamental concepts, right? And um, I think if people follow that book, you know, you, you, you are far ahead than everyone else, right? I mean, the, the secret that we always people talk about is only when you get it in, uh, in conferences where they sell uh, real estate, <laughs> real estate courses. That's why they give you all kind of a goosebump saying that they have some big secret, but actually, well, there is no secrets. End of the day, you realize uh, after a few after a few months into that course, you know, you realize, oh, okay, I, it's just me working hard. <laughs> so I uh, before the big crash, I actually made a uh, a foreclosure website, and mm -hmm. uh, I would go to those real estate pitches, you know, because there was a lot of them back then, you know, oh five, oh six, oh seven, and uh, I heard that I found a stat that said you were ninety seven percent more likely to buy a second course than your first house your first investment property, right? Cause it was always the big <laughs> secret behind the door. And so um, in that kind of spirit, like how did you, how did you get into your first property as your first investment property? Oh, uh, my first investment property was a single family house, right? So um, it was a big aha moment uh, on that first house uh, because you know, I was trying to get into real estate because I was a corporate employee for 22 years and trying to do stocks. I fail at stocks. I thought I'm, I'm the smartest guy who can solve a stock problem, right? Just charts going up and down. And you know, sometimes we have this ego you know, as an engineer that we can solve any kind of mathematical problems. Um, and I realized that, uh, you know, I, I, every time I go in now, uh, within a, two days, I lose money because it all follows your know, fear and grief emotions, right? So, so at one point I gave up and I started looking at other things. I started to do different businesses and I, I realized I'm not the best in uh, software you know, development. There's a lot of you know, startup Silicon Valley guys who can do much better than me alone. And um, I, I, met a, I met a friend who said they're doing a single family rental. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Can we do that, right? And can we, I, I just did a simple calculation from what he told me and I, I can get like eight to 9% cash and cash return just doing a single family rental, right? And um, I went for a workshop, a two-hour workshop, free workshop. And there was a guy there. I mean, I started looking all over in Austin, Texas. Uh, you know, Austin, they are good deals at that time, like you know, five years ago, uh, 100,000 a dog, 100,000 per house. And now it's like all like 300,000. Um, and, um, and one thing that he told, one thing during the workshop, I mean, after the workshop, I started asking how do they, how do they make money? Because in all this workshop, usually they, you know, they have a multi multi level things right they don't tell you what's the next level until you go to the next level of their workshop right so uh, but one thing i realized uh, during that discussion with him i say i want to buy a house uh, but I'm, i cannot find you know really good i mean i only have i only had 50000 at that time right so i can only buy like if i put 20% down for 100000 i can probably put like 20 25000 uh, you know down so i can buy two houses right but he said uh, you know why not you go to san antonio right i said wow i don't want to go to san antonio but here was the aha moment that I realized uh, during that time. He said, oh, you can go and get, you know, 30,000, you know, 20,000 houses in San Antonio. Why are you buying? No, sorry. You can buy forty to $50,000 houses in San Antonio. Um, but you have to drive one and a half hours. I, and I told him, uh, I don't want to drive one and a half hours. Then he told me, well, if you're going to make another 40,000, because the house value is like eighty to 100,000, if you're going to make another 80,000 to, you know, uh, why not you drive? That's that's like you know it was a break hitting on my brain. I said, "Ha, oh, I'm being lazy here, right? Because and I can drive one and a half hours and buy a better deal on on just another city, 
rather than I'm, I'm just trying to do everything here. So I realized that, oh my God. So it's just me being lazy and that's what uh, hit, uh, hit me like a break. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive. That's where I started buying like that first house in San Antonio. We went up to 13 houses after that in two years. No, I, I think that, um, I mean, you call it lazy, but I think that it's almost like, I, I think a lot of times with first time investors or non-investors don't equate hours to the amount of money, right? So like mm -hmm. when you, you, you know, you said, you oh, I'm being lazy, but if you said, okay, I'm going to make $40,000 more over a year, right? Or whatever it is, two years. And it's really going to cost me what, 30 hours of driving. So you're making $1,250 an hour. Mm -hmm. If I said it to you like that way, I say, Hey, you're gonna make $1,250 an hour. You'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm taking that deal. But it was like more like, you know what I mean? Like I think that yeah, there's yeah. That, that correlation a lot of times where I've got people where they're like, Oh, you know, I, I need to uh, do this in my business, but it's a, it's a, it's a huge pain, but it's going to save us $5,000 a year. And I'm like, it takes like three hours. Like what, you know, and so, but it's that we see it as these big problems. And it's like, if we equate it back to, you know, smaller numbers or per hour things like that, I think it, it really helps. I think, it, I think, seasoned investors start to look at things that way. Right. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I think, yeah. First time I didn't even think about all that. And, and, and later I realized how much money I made just by driving down one and a half hours. And wow, that was the aha moment that I have that, uh, you know, someone else have to tell you, right. Uh, and you don't realize it. So, so it's yeah. good to go and network with people. Yeah. I, I agree with that too. I think that there's a, a real value to collective uh, thinkers in that arena. It's, it's almost like, a you know, they do a lot of mastermind things these days, but you know, to find some people that uh, can mentor, can really facilitate the speed at which you become a good investor, or become a uh, successful entrepreneur, if you find somebody who's found all the ways not to do it first, right? Yeah, all the shortcuts, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with mentorship, yes. Yeah. And so um, after you, so you, you said you, you actually grew that real quickly into 13 different places. Uh, what, what did, where'd you go from there? Uh, after buying 13 houses within two years, uh, we started going into multifamily. So we started buying our 45 units multifamily because you know, we just had so much of scalability issue with houses, um, particularly insurance policies. You know, the insurance expire at different, different times because you, I don't know, it's such a simple problem, but it's such a pain uh, because now we have to print out and you have to sign and you have to send. And I had a W2 job as well. So I was so busy doing that. And um, and managing tenants, right? So managing residences, residents, uh, my wife was definitely helping me. So she was doing all the operation side and I was doing all the acquisition side uh, in single family. So we moved to multifamily after that, buying our first uh, 45 units multifamily. Me personally, I think you got the better side on that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the fun part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Operations is tough. Uh, the yeah, I'm doing the easier that. one, exactly. <laughs> It's absolutely true. And so how, how long ago was this that you guys started uh, when you first got into doing this? Uh, we started end of 2015 on multifamily, right? 2013 is when we started single family. So almost like five years ago in multifamily. I think uh, overall real estate is like seven years. And you said you went into a 45 unit? Uh, 45 unit, yeah. This was the first, first deal that we did on apartments. Did you, so you did that with partners? Uh, yes, I, my wife and I, two of us are the GP and uh, we have another four passive investors. Okay. So you guys did the 13 houses and then you were able to put people together to do the... Yeah. 
the yes, yes. And the trick to that is, I, I don't know whether you are going there or not. How did you go to multifamily, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm buying house. How did you put people together? Because that's a big leap for a lot of people that, exactly. that exactly. haven't done it. There's a, there's a big leap between, okay, we've put enough money together to put 20% down on these houses and we're rolling them and the banks are being real nice. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, we're going to go to 45 units and we've got partners. Like there's a big quantum leap there in, in, um, in execution. And I'm curious if people were thinking about that, like, how do they, how do they, how did you move into that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, so the way we moved from single family where we were doing everything to a model syndication model, right? Where we're able to raise money from investors is fundamentally by educating them on what is syndication. At the same time, we also educated them on what we have done in single family, right? So a lot of investors, they want to look for good people. Yeah. Who, are, who have done very well in whatever venture they have taken on, right? And uh, this is where they find the hustlers, right? And people want to invest with people who hustle a lot. And when we were doing our single family, we did a lot of, uh, you know, bragging about what we did, even though no one else is involved. And when we brag, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, brag means brag nicely. I mean, if you work hard and you make really good deal, uh, you know, uh, you really make good money for yourself, that means you know what you're doing and why not you tell other people as well. So, and uh, we started presenting uh, to some people that we know. And once we do that, uh, people start to say that. And, and of course, we tell them that if hey, we are going to be doing an apartment complex deal in the next six months, I mean, we just throw, I just threw a, a due date there for myself, right? The next six months and people say, okay, I'm, I want to be, I want to know how to get involved. How to so we started building that investor list while even when we're doing our single family houses. Right. Once we do that, when we find our first 45 units, you know, I just needed four people, right? So I had like maybe like 80 people in my lease at that time who are interested. Oh, really? in that. Four people within 24 hours, you know, I've already raised like 430,000 to buy that first deal. So what, what, So to put 45 units in context, like what would be kind of like an acquisition price and what did you need to get into it? It was at that time in San Antonio, this was like uh, early 2016, 2000, uh, late 2015. Uh, it was 35 a door is what we bought. So it's almost $1.5 million. And you guys were to put, you guys put together about 430, you said? 430, yeah. We got like a 20% down, 80% leverage deal. And, um, and so when you approached the banks and you said, hey, I got 13 single families. Now I want to step into a 45 unit commercial property. How did you, mm -hmm. how did you go about that? Uh, you have to find a bank who's willing to give you that opportunity, right? Because it's a commercial space uh, above five units. It's a, it's a different beast by itself. And, um, did you go local or did you go? I, I went local. Yeah. I could not go to the big guys. Big guys want you a lot of experience. So if you go to like credit unions or small yeah. banks, uh, they'll be more accommodative, right? Especially when they do the appraisal. I mean, we are buying really at undervalued. Right. So when we are buying that at 1.5 million, the value was almost at 1.8 million. Right. So because of that, the bank said, okay, this is an easy deal. I mean, uh, you know, it's low risk for us. We are first lane. They are probably, I mean, even though the leverage is 80% loan to cost, but the actual leverage probably like 65 or you know, lower than that. Right. So they are like, they are like happily doing it. Right. So if you have to find that kind of bank who's willing to give you a shot. At the same time, you buy a really good deal. Don't, don't buy the expensive one and put the bank at put the bank at risk as well, right? So yeah, I think I just wanted to cover that because um, I want to bring up the point that you need to shop bankers when you go to do deals, right? Because absolutely, I think a lot of people will think I was a commercial banker at Wells Fargo, and um, oh. 
their box at the time was very strict, right? And I had businesses that I was bringing all these loan applications in. I brought in um, over $40 million in loan applications in one year, which I was the number one banker in the state of Florida with loan applications. I closed about $4 million of that at the bank that year, which put me number one on the West Coast. Well, that means $36 million worth of loan applications, which I did, if I didn't think it was a, if it was nothing, I didn't you know, take the application. These were deals, you know what I mean? But I couldn't get them through because they didn't want to lend money at the time. And at the time, you know, I actually walked them over to the community bank I knew. And then I took them over to regions at the time, which was very aggressive in the market. And I actually closed $16 million at those banks. I, mean, I didn't close them, but I gave them to the bankers that did and I actually made their entire year. But I felt, I, I felt like it was almost my duty at the time in 2010 because the economy was so rough and I saw these business owners struggling. I knew it was going to do for them, but I knew that if I had put them through all of this stuff and then I didn't close, they weren't going to try again. And it would have been bad for the local economy. It would have been bad for the unemployment rate. It would have been bad for these things. And so, you know, as I was telling you, like, I think one of the main things that we need to do is we need to shop, you know, bankers because not all banks lend money the same way. And that's a big misconception. Like people are like, well, Wells Fargo wouldn't give me a loan. So nobody will, you know, and there's these small community banks where you get people who can make decisions and see, you know, if you take that deal to Wells Fargo and you say, I'm buying for 1.5 and the appraisal came at 1.8, like they just go, no, it's worth 1.5. But a local banker goes, oh, you guys made a good deal. And now they're a little more likely to say, well, you don't have a history of owning 50 apartment complex at a time. And then they're going to move forward with you because the deal is good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. I did shop like uh, at least six banks when I did that. Oh, uh, so there you go. <laughs> That's, I mean, and it's crazy because, you know, people think, well, well, you know, they don't need to do I don't think that's a step that a lot of people talk about. Like you really need to go in, yeah. especially on the small banks, like the ones that maybe have, that are just local with a few branches that you know of or eight branches or whatever. They, they have a lot better lending power than the big ones. Correct, correct. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I took my phone book and start, I mean, not the actual phone book, but start Googling credit unions, all kind of small banks to call. And there were a lot of people who came up really good terms. Uh, however, um, I mean, of course, in the beginning, they said good, right? And as you go along, you know, either they disappear or they come back and say, oh, we can't do this. Oh, we can only do this much of leverage and all that. So I was just crossing off and there was one bank, which was, uh, you know, which was like a local bank in that area. And they were happy to do it. They said, we know the area very well and we're going to do this. Right? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I would say a good word of advice on that, too, is to move forward with more than one like you're talking about oh, yeah. like you actually need to put the whole deal together i think when we go into residential the first thing people want to do is fill out a mortgage application so they can pull your credit and see if you can buy a house but mm -hmm. in commercial it's much better i think in my mind and you can confirm this because you've done way more deals than i have but like it's much better to put the whole deal together because the borrower matters less right you no know, or it's not the same animal with residential where it's like, you know, what, what can we sell to Fannie Mae? So is your, what's your credit score? What is your income here? You know, with the commercial, it's almost like it's, it's the deal has to be good on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on the agency side, right? Agency means a, it's a semi-government agencies where Fannie and Freddie, where we do a lot of deals. I mean, it's all of it. A lot of loans are non-recourse. So they're not really looking at, you know, me, the borrower, they're probably looking at the deal more. Right. So 
That's my. So, important. are you still buying single families, or do you do all commercial now? No, I gave up on single family in 2015. So, when I start buying my first apartments, I gave up on it. It's too much work for too little money. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe it's for me, right? But for some people who to get started, I mean, people love single family. I, I, I love it as well. But it's just the amount of work, the amount of paperwork to handle this one, each one of units, each one houses. Uh, it's just too much for. For us, for my wife and I, and we said, okay, we're gonna go into the bigger, larger apartment complex where we manage this business. And so you went from that forty-five, and today you're at, you have seventeen hundred. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's like a, four yeah, years. There's a huge leap there. So like, what? How did you go forty-five to get to in three or four years to seventeen hundred? Like, because uh, well, <laughs> re- well, I guess my question would be, did you go like, did you start re-leveraging and and and, and then cross leveraging the properties? Like, how did you do it? So let me start from the beginning because I think it's important for people to understand, right? I mean, I, I started with 50,000. So all your listeners who are listening, if you have 50,000, you can do like what I did. Even in this economy, I know people say, oh, he's a lucky guy. He did in 2008, not, not, even, not even 2008, I did 2015, right? So, uh, so, so the way to do it is, uh, of course, uh, you, I mean, we use something called a BRRR. I, you know, but by we have refinanced, right? And, so I know, big, I, I know what it is, but say it again. Buy, B-R-R-R, brr. <laughs> <laughs> buy, rehab, refinance, and repeat, right? So it's a big uh, uh, term used a lot in bigger pockets. But, you know, even in bigger pockets, they talk all in the small single family houses. But that's where we got started, right? So so we're buying this, uh, you know, uh, 40, 50,000 houses in, in San Antonio. At a, you know, it's all distressed houses, right? So we buy and then we... Uh, rehab it and we refinance it right and uh, we when we refinance we can take back the, the whatever money we put in and we buy another houses so we can buy multiple houses with the same down payment right i know it sounds crazy not many people talk about it but that fundamental uh, concept uh, it's it works right and so once we go to like 13 houses, we had almost 400,000 of equity because all these deals, we are buying direct from sellers, right? We were doing you know, marketing, we're involving our kids to, to uh, wrap letters and print out letters. And they were like sitting down on the weekend, you know, putting you know, letters into uh, mails and sending out the next day. So we were really working hard to buy all these deals at great prices. So when you buy in great prices, when you go rehab it, you increase the value, right? Real estate is the only thing that only time the only asset class that you can get involved and put in your own spread equity and push up the value, right? You can't do this in stock. Stock, whatever you buy today, that's the price. But real estate <laughs> is a deal. <laughs> well, yeah, today you buy, buy that's the price. You can't buy Amazon and then go into the warehouse and just start sending out packages. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so real estate, you can buy a deal under value today, right? Uh, you can't do that in stock or bonds, right? You have to buy at real value, right? So, so we bought all that houses. We accumulated almost 400,000 of equity and uh, we started buying the first uh, 45 units. Uh, I mean, we still had our houses until recently we started selling it. We have, we have two in the market right now, the final two that we're done. So once we get the 400,000 equity, we went into uh, apartments, right? And we did the same thing, the same concept where we go direct to sellers and uh, you know, we, we, uh, we find stress property we rehab them we increase the value in fact in commercial real estate the brrr works much much more better compared to single family right because single family you have always a, a ceiling right in terms of comps for the value right? whereas in commercial is a you know, there's not much of a ceiling like right? the ceiling is much much higher because it's based on income stream of that commercial property 
So when we do that, we keep on refinancing uh, out our money, right? Uh, and, and of course, we have investors as well uh, who start coming and seeing that the, the way we are finding our deals is, is, is very uh, unique, right? The way we are working hard, how fast we turn around our property is quite, uh, quite remarkable. Right? We, we refinance our deals within 12 months. Yeah. And that's like people are oh, crazy, right? And of course, you have to tell about it, right? If you keep it to yourself, if you're just happy at night, uh, what's the point, right? You have to tell other people because a lot of people want to get involved, yeah, right? And it's not only we doing the deal. We always see it as we are giving opportunity for other people to come in. Well, especially if you're pulling your cash capital back out, it's, uh, you know, your, your return goes up exponentially because basically you own an asset for free now. Oh, yeah. Right? Or That's better. what we did in our first two deals. We refinanced like almost more than 100% within 12 months, which is crazy, right? How can you own a building free and clear without any of your money down? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like plugging money from the air, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think that people think that it's not real. You know what I mean? I no, think people don't, I mean, it's, it's, it does, it takes legwork and it takes those kinds of things. And so if, if someone were wanting to do that in their, you know, area uh, where they live or those kind of things, what would be your tip for them? put bandit sign on <laughs> the other day someone asked me james you know i drive around i see a lot of bandit sign and now i realize that it works i say yes absolutely it works i mean i have tried bandit sign i mean it didn't work for me so much i'll just to be upfront but there are a lot of people making money by doing that so if you go around look around on how people are trying to buy deals rehabbing and uh, i mean what, what whatever happened in hgtv is true except for the numbers in hgtv that's that's not true but when they rehab and they increase the value, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Right. And yeah, there's and so many costs they leave out of those things. It cracks me up. You know, it's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> they don't. It's only the cost. And I'm like, uh, you didn't make forty, but you made twenty probably. But you know, yeah. it doesn't look as but good. But people still make twenty, right? I mean, that's like it's still money out from the air, right? I mean, you're yeah. working. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. You're not. You're not. Uh, you know, you're not turning wrenches and you're not. You know, hammering nails and doing stuff mm -hmm. that you know uh, for you know. Twenty dollars an hour. You've got twenty thousand dollars. That's a big asset for a lot. That's of a big asset. Change yeah, a lot and of, it can change your life. Yeah, as I said, I mean, they, what they did, they just worked hard on on that house, right? I mean, they they are not scientists. They didn't come up with a new pattern. They didn't come up with something creative. They just buy a distressed deal and they work hard on it and they push the value and they refinance out the money, right? I mean, anybody can do it, right? It's just whether you want to do it or not. And so um, I have a question for you because you've run this as a family um, mm -hmm. with your wife and you mentioned earlier your kids are um, uh, were involved in stuffing envelopes and sending stuff out and like, so do you talk to them about how to analyze deals? Do you talk to them? How, how, how much do you talk to them in the economic side of it? We, I mean, we take initiative to try to talk to them, right? And we have done, we have done family case studies where, you know, we had like, all our deals and we put in a big font powerpoint slides printed out for all three of them and we went on a road trip <laughs> really yeah we went on a road trip we said this is what we bought this is what how much we spent i mean we tried to do that right but i said i mean i you know not every kid will be uh, you know attracted to doing that right but at yeah. least we we try because out of our three kids um at least they know that this is what the parents are doing and this is how we make money and yeah. it's possible. And that's important, right? Because they may not be um, want to do it right now, right? And they may not do it right now, but at least they say, oh, this is how you can make money, right? And, and maybe, you know, 20 years later on after when they study and they go and do, they, hey, maybe I can invest this. My, my, my parents used to do it and they know it's a true case, right? And well, 
and maybe you know, one of them will be you know coming to more into uh, real estate i do not know well it's for me this is where i have the problem with the school system and the curriculum that we do it's just not even offered right and so like there's a reason that we have uh you know we have english and science and social studies and you know uh math and and all these different subjects because it's not necessarily like every kid is going to go into every one of those subjects right but it's like it's opening the avenues to say hey if this is where your superpower is or this is where your brain and your and your and your insight this is what i want to go do but if we don't even say hey you know we don't even say hey guys this is an opportunity this is an option for you that's where I run into the problems because it is such a big asset class in the world. I mean, you know I mean, it's the biggest asset in, 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 especially in real estate, like it's the biggest asset that most Americans are ever going to see. All right. And we don't talk about it in the least bit. And there's so many, um, you know, you mentioned BRR, like I just don't understand why we don't even make it an option for people to say, Hey, you know what? That interests me. I want to go look at that. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's a very, uh, and, well, because, so the, the good thing about me is I've, I came from Malaysia, Southeast Asia, where I've gone through different school systems. So I can compare things, right? So even in Malaysia or Southeast Asia or any Asian countries, uh, it's very uh, academic, right? Uh, because that's how, um, that's how the countries are run, right? That's how the society is, right? People, uh, get, people get more respected when you are educated, yeah. right? And it creates a, a safety net for people uh, who are not earning a lot to come up high because I mean, to come up high in, in the, in the society. Right. So, I mean, and so everybody's encouraged to be a doctor, engineer, lawyer, CPA, all the professional. Right. So, so there is like no real um, choice in that countries uh, to go and do business. I mean, there are people doing business. Absolutely. They are, they are very successful at it, but just, just, that is just because their parents are doing it. So a lot of them are just like generational and they, they just stick to it. And no one really come and teach us how to flip houses in that countries. Very, very rare. And people buy house, people buy land, all for appreciation. Nobody talks about cash flow concepts. Right? Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah. I don't really love land. That's why, because it's all in cash flow is where all the fun is, you know? Correct, correct. Else to pay for it and, yeah, you know? Yeah. So what do you see right now in the markets? What do you, do you think that, um, you know, is there, is there opportunities right now and, you know, what are we in the second half of 2020 for people to go out and, and build the wealth? Do they need to be more cautious? Is there, you know, more competition? What do you see on the market right now? Um, I think for apartments, uh, prices are still high. It didn't drop so much, even with COVID right now, because uh, everybody needs to be sheltered in house and government's helping all the rent, a lot of renters out there to pay rent. Uh, hopefully that continues. I think the price didn't come down, but there are absolutely opportunities out there. There are always opportunities in real estate all the time. You just you have to work harder to find them, right? And uh, that's what we are doing right now. We are not buying the normal deals. We're trying to go after deals which is uh, which in need of help, right? Where we can go and we, where we can come in and use our expertise our property management skills, our asset management skills to turn around the property and, and abide from them or help uh, some uh, sellers who you know, might be thinking of selling, right? Or any operators out there who are struggling. So that's where we are trying to play in, uh, in the space. I mean, we are in a recessionary period. We have to get good deals, not, not buy the normal deals. What's the point of buying normal deals during recession? Are you still staying in Texas? 
I'm yeah, I'm focusing a lot on taxes because we are we have our own uh, vertically integrated company, including property management. So we are like we have to focus on uh, you know our own uh, backyard. And and Texas is a really good market. I mean, Texas, Florida, Georgia, all are really good markets right now for for land. Yeah, right? so and that's um, rentals. So if people want to find out more about what you're doing or the things that you're teaching, um, where can they find out more about you, James? Um, they can go, they can uh, come to my website. It's called Achieve Investment Group, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, like achieving a goal, achieveinvestmentgroup.com. My email is james at achieveinvestmentgroup.com. Send me a mail. Uh, if you guys want to be in my investor list, just go to achieveinvestmentgroup.com and there's a button called invest with us. You just go and click and, and fill up that. Um, but I'm, I am, I just started launching my free book campaign, uh, which is the book that you mentioned, top 15 book by Jim Cramer, the street. Uh, and it's also a bestseller. Um, that book, you can get it at passiveinvestinginrealestate.com, passiveinvestinginrealestate.com. You can get it for free. And I'm, I'm just starting that probably this week. Oh, that's great, man. That's, uh, it'll be available then by the time we get this podcast out. And so what I'll do is I'll put yeah. a link into the show notes with it. And, um, I want to I wanna say thank you again for coming on Money Talkers with me and kind of pulling the curtain back and showing like, look, this can be done with as little as going from in five years, six years from $50,000 into $130 million in assets. And what you guys have done is amazing, especially that you're picking your family has been such a big part of it as well. Because, you know, I always feel like you're leaving, you may not see the, the excitement in their eyes, but you're really leaving seeds that are planting with kids like that. And it's just to take them out to show them deals and to show them properties and what's available like that's i i that is my ultimate goal for people in the money talker community is to just get involved with them because you're building that relationship you know and that's that's a big deal because maybe down the road they want to go and you know they want to be a scientist but they're going to have a job opportunity across the country like they'll be able to talk to you about it because you already mm -hmm. talked to them about money and circumstances and jobs and entrepreneurship and so uh i, I can uh i commend you on that yeah, we 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 absolutely trying to get involved with our kids because I don't want them to be like, do not know what the parents are doing, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, it is it is a business world which is not taught in school, and and, and we want to at least show them uh, the lay of the land on the business side and how they can make money out of this. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, James. Thanks for coming on Money Talkers again with me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Cody. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.